Hey guys, welcome to MarTech Masters. I'm Gabriel Marguglio, CEO of Next New Marketing and your host. Please remember to subscribe to get updates on our latest episodes. In this episode, we spoke with our awesome friend and tech partner, John Bonini of Databox, to take our conversation from last season a step further. John filled us in on the evolution of his podcast shows and what he's learned from running them over time. His new show, Metrics and Chill, and how he's using a podcast to fuel other content marketing efforts. The importance of audience and channel when creating either video or podcast series, as well as his hobbies and passions. Can you guess how many times John has seen Pearl Jam live in concert? You will find out and so much more in this week's episode. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to MarTech Masters Season 2. We're here with John Bonini, Director of Marketing at Databox. This is awesome. Thank you for coming back, John. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me back. This like, is... anytime you are, you're an automatic yes. Next to me, Gabe, automatic yes. This is awesome. And, and again, uh, last time you were here, we talked a lot about, you know, how to create amazing content, how to get 100,000 first visits on your blog. First of all, before we start with all of that, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself, introduce where you, you know, where you work, what you do. I know you're doing some personal projects too. So if you want to talk a little bit about that, uh, go ahead. Yeah, my name is John. I head marketing at a company called Databox, which is an analytics software where you can track, you know, all of your metrics from all the different tools your business is using all in one place. So I head marketing there. Uh, yeah, and you mentioned on the side, yeah, I have a, a little side project I do called Some Good Content where I just get to geek out on content marketing, which is, you know, primarily um, most of the jobs I've had in tech and software have been for content-driven companies. So just allows me to geek out on content, share some of the things I learned. And uh, and yeah, so I've been in software now though for six years. So before Databox, I was heading growth at a company called Litmus, which is an email testing software. So I've been in the space, uh, specifically the Boston software tech scene for, for quite a bit now. That's awesome. And and you've always been in into content. I, I love your, uh, your some good content um, project. I think you're sharing amazing things. You're sharing, uh, again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we're going to link uh, to this and you definitely need to check it out. Uh, John is uh, a, a genius at content and he's like down to earth and very straightforward telling you what's working, what's not working examples. It's amazing. It's, it's a lot of templates and things that ideas that you're going to share with your team all the time. We do it. And, and it's awesome to follow you on those, on those projects. And of course, data box content strategy is amazing and it's working and it's generating business and growth. You, you got to the point where you can see that this, it, this is changing in the content side of things and it's changing the, the SEO and the visits and it's affecting yourselves. So that's what I love about you and how you manage content marketing. You connect it directly to the sales. So connected to this, any, any new trends, anything differently happening from what we talked about last year? Oh, you know, man, I, I think uh, when we talked last year, what's funny, because last time we talked, the, the subject, like you said, was first 100,000 sessions. Last month at Databox, we hit 195,000 sessions. So we're, we, I guess we can unofficially call this your next 100,000 sessions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, like it's, it's been a lot about consistency. We've, we've, we have a few different content properties now. Obviously, the new stuff that we publish, updates, which was a big theme of when we talked last time, that's something that we do consistency, uh, consistently every single week. 
case studies we do consistently every single week, um, pillar pages. So we've made a few hires since we've last talked. Really the name of the game for us has just been, you know, consistency around those assets. And the signal that that sends to Google, to your audience, to readers, you know, to everybody that, um, you know, you're producing quality content on a consistent basis. And so that's had a, a really positive impact on, you know, traffic, on leads. Really that we've started seeing over the last, like, since September, like mid-August. So after that, like, real first initial wave and, and shock of, of COVID and it moved everybody home and working remote, um, we saw like a 20% dip in organic. We started to recover, kind of were flat in, you know, the summer. But then around August, September, we really started to dial things up, made a few key hires, maintain consistency. And really like that's, that's been the secret for us when everybody asks like, oh, what are you doing different? Like, what's the secret? Like, how, you know, how'd you get to, how have you, you seen the growth that you've seen? Um, well, I, nothing new. It's the stuff that we've been doing since August that we've just been doing it every week and over and over. And, you know, we've made a few key hires to make sure that that can happen. So, yeah, I think like just really the name of the game for us has been consistency right now, um, you know, as we look to, to, to keep scaling. Yeah, I, I've, been, I've been hearing that over and over again, and it, it works the same way on the video marketing side of things on podcasts, and we're going to talk a little bit more, yeah. more about that later. But um, so SEO still works, content still works, and, you know, consistency is important. What are we talking about things that we talked about 10 years ago, probably, <laughs> but, uh, but, but it's important to right. see how companies are still doing it. And doing yeah. it right at the end of the day is, is, is doing it right. You're creating amazing content oh, sure. that, that people yeah. want to actually, you know, engage with. And that's the key right. to the whole thing. Consistency, right. but quality also, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're publishing crappy content consistently, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the real, really the first step is identifying what works, mm -hmm. right? Having that measurement stuff in place, having the, a discipline, you know, consistent approach that you're reviewing things every week you know, obviously where you are, but also your team and you're doing it together. Um, and, you know, when you do that, you start to understand the things, the topics, the channels, the mediums, the things that work. And when you kind of are able to dial in on those, document processes around them, make them repeatable. Once you're at that point, it, it, the name of the game is consistency. And uh, that's the part that's it's not as sexy as like, well, but I want to come <laughs> up with the next cool idea. Um, but really finding those things and being consistent around them is, is really really where the excitement, where, where the good stuff tends to happen. That's awesome. That's awesome. So of course, we're super excited to dig deeper into that and talk a little bit more about your podcast side of, you know, the content that you're creating. But before we go there, we want to learn a little bit more about what you're passionate about in your personal life, maybe off work, what, what's going on in your life and, you know, any interests, any hobbies, did you pick up a new hobby during the, the, the pandemic? What, what's going on that side of things? Yeah, yeah, the little thing called the pandemic going on. Yeah, it's, it's made hobbies a little, actually, no, not harder to pick up. They're just different, right? Uh, yeah, I, I would say I have three kids, uh, all five and under. So my hobbies these days tend to be that <laughs> or centered around that. But uh, yeah, my my five-year-old son loves to play, you know, learn how to play video games. And so Mario, Nintendo Switch, like I, I make the joke to people that if our quarantine had a sponsor, it would be uh, Nintendo Switch, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm not being paid by Nintendo. I wish I was. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that and Legos, man. Like, I, I feel like that's uh, 
we've gotten real good at Legos. Um, so, but yeah, besides that, yeah, just the, uh, the, the little side gig, um, writing about content and, uh, just trying to stay sharp there, trying to stay in shape, which for those listeners, you know, Gabe lives down in Florida, you don't get it. But like, for those of you listeners who live up in the cooler climates up North, like it's tough staying in shape, you know, in the winter time, you know, when there's snow on the ground, um, especially during a pandemic and he's going to gyms. So, uh, I have an indoor bike. So we're doing some indoor exercise now, trying to stay sharp, trying to stay, trying to stay fit. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and I think you mentioned that you have a little bit of an obsession with Pearl Jam also. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. I, I remember yeah. I have a story about a Pearl Jam uh, concert, but you go ahead. Yeah. You have a lot more stories than me. Yeah. Pearl Jam, uh, Pearl Jam has been my favorite band since high school. And, um, I mean, when I was a kid and like, you know, growing up in the nineties, everybody knew who Pearl Jam was, right. Huge band, but really got into them. Um, once I became of the age where I could like go to a concert mm -hmm. and, um, I'm sure many people can, can relate to that. Right. The first time you see a band in person, you're like, whoa. And, uh, yeah, I went to see them in Madison square garden when I was 20, 19. No, no, I was in high school. So 18, 19 years old. And, uh, I was just blown away by the commitment and how long they played. It was like a three hour concert and I was exhausted and I was just standing there listening. Like I can't imagine how musicians play that long. Yeah. So, yeah. So since then that was back in 03, I've seen them 15 times. So yeah, huge fan. That's my, that's, that's the reason I started playing. You can see a little guitar in the background, a little telecaster. Yeah. Over here. That's the whole reason I started picking up the guitar years ago too, was just so I could sound like, you know, play like those guys. And yeah, it's, that's uh that, that's been my favorite band since geez i was seven 16 years old that Crazy. is so cool i have a, a a similar love story with nirvana slash foo fighters like yeah I, yeah I, I they're did, right I, there too yeah which we're, we're we're in the same kind of time yeah, yeah. frame and everything but i went to see pearl jam real quick uh on uh in dc i don't know like 10 years ago and they played for like two hours and it was it was about to end so i said let's let's you know, let's get out of here because it's going to be crazy. There was like 50,000 people. I don't know. Insane amount of people, not 50,000, but insane amount of people. So I was like, let's get out of here. And they were like, all right, thank you. Bye. They already came back like once. So I was like, okay, it's <laughs> over. Then uh, next day, Monday or Sunday, it's like Pearl John plays longest. It was they like three and a half set. hours. They played and they came back and played another hour and a half. And I was yeah, like, you don't leave a PJ I, concert. Yeah, they play long. What man. They did play like I do? So that was uh, that was yeah. That's my Pearl marathon story. Yeah. That's crazy. So yeah. um, going back to your personal project, I know I know you mentioned it already. Uh, how did that come up to be? Like, why are you doing it? And in Again, how do you come up with such amazing content ideas? I, I feel like um, that is worth going over that. It's a, it's a different way of sharing, but also um, very, you're sharing literally everything you know. So tell, tell us a little bit more about that and how you came out to, uh, to do this uh, for, for your own yeah. project. Yeah, I, I mean, I, well, the first thing is I enjoy, I enjoy it. Like I enjoy talking about it. I enjoy the practice of it. And I think that, should be the start of anything right mm -hmm. that you do is that you just really enjoy it i'm not going to spend time on things that i don't enjoy um the other part of it was that i just feel like so much of the content advice the, the stuff that you see out there is so um it's just very shallow 
Like everyone knows you should tell stories. Everyone yep. knows you should, you should, uh, you know, create. Uh, I, I saw something last week about somebody about creating FOMO, and I was like, all these people that post these things, and a lot of them are like really well-known influencers or authors, and it um, it's frustrating because they they never share the the tactics or the the hard stuff. It's easy for any of us to sit here and say like, you know, that you should um, you should tell better stories because people like stories. Um, that's not groundbreaking. I think the hard stuff is like, how do you do that? What are the frameworks? And so I really started because I just don't see that. <laughs> I don't, I don't see people, even, even the most badass ones, like the ones that are, you know, running companies or they're authors or they're on the speaking circuit, they're not sharing that stuff. And I just felt like there was an opportunity I wanted to see, I, you know, I wasn't sure my, my year end goal when I started it last August was, you know, hundred subscribers. And um, we're at 500 right now. And that's awesome. So it went way above what I thought. And it just, it was a way for me to, to dig deeper into content and really help people. Cause I would get, anytime I would share data from Databox or I would comment on anything about content marketing, I would always get DMs from people wanting to know more, like thirsty for that, like deeper, like, well, what's that process look like for updating content? Like, what did you specifically do? How did you know which posts you should update and how many did you do a week and and so i was like you know what? i'm just gonna start posting about this stuff and and um see what happens and um publish something that like my my friend jay kunzo likes to say was more nutritious than what i saw out there you know yeah um and so that yeah that's that's really how it started it really started because i enjoy it i love geeking out about it but i just didn't feel like people go deep enough and i'm just tired of reading that real shallow advice in those posts on linkedin and twitter that are just like you know, uh, <laughs> you should tell stories or add, create value. That's one that frustrates the hell out of me. Like add value. Okay, great. What does that look like? How do you know what value is? How do you go about learning that? How do you insert it into a post in an engaging way? How do you do it consistently? Like all these things that people to actually do their jobs, they need that stuff. Not just your fluffy comment about you should add value. So that's really where it came from. And, um, I've been honestly blown away by people's response to it so far and their DMs and their tweets. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been, That's it's awesome. been awesome. And, and we love it. And like I said, we use it. On, uh, I share most of your emails with the team so they can go and do more research. And so that's something that became a resource for our company now. Awesome. So it's, a, it's amazing. We, we can definitely see the passion that you, you have a lot of passion for helping businesses figure it out, for sharing what you know, for sharing the, the experiences, not just like generic comments, but also the, the ways to do yeah. things and things like that. So uh, connected with that, you know, you're, you're passionate about your family, your kids, uh, your music, and, and of course your content and, and, and sharing things with the world what do you think passion is how how important is passion in business and work um do you do you think about that yeah it's it's uh it's definitely important i think that passion is an ingredient i also think focus is important as well and they go hand in hand because a lot of times i think people associate passion with ideas and um, I think if you can focus your passion in, on a specific area and, and focus on being consistent and um, showing up, you know, and, and showing up with the same level of intensity and showing up with the same 
uh, level of quality time and time again. I think that is, is where the magic is. Um, passion alone, I don't think is enough, you know, like I'm passionate about Pearl Jam. I, I can't be a professional musician, right? I'm a, I'm a bedroom player, as they say. Um, but, uh, but I think having the focus coupled with that is, is really, is really the important thing and discipline. And, um, I wasn't always like that, honestly, I always thought, um, you know, I was always functioning like I was Don Draper, like, oh, what's the next sexy idea? Oh, this, this should be our new website tagline. Oh, this should be a new series that we, and, um, you know, when I, earlier in my career in a previous company. So I think, uh, when I look for people now and, you know, when I'm recruiting, yeah, that passion part, like, I want to know that they research this stuff when they're not at work and maybe they read books about it to get better at it themselves. But I also look for people that I know will be disciplined and they'll be able to focus on a specific area when they find something that works. And I think the marriage of those two things is, is really critical. And finding, finding someone who's super passionate, has a learner's mindset, going out and learning new skills on their own. But then when they come to work, they're able to focus that and be disciplined when they find an area maybe of need and they could really apply that in a focused way and be disciplined about it and they prioritize. When you find someone like that, that's, that's the magic. When they're missing one of those, it, it tends to fall flat. That's awesome. And in, in, it's so key. Uh, I agree with you. I believe in passion. And I, I, as you know, we're very passionate. I'm personally very passionate about everything I do, but consistency is sometimes even more important than passion uh, right. because, because you need to apply those things. And a good, a good segue to, to our next question, which is related to podcasts and video series. We've seen people creating these type of content, pieces of content and, and, and creating consistent videos with a theme or like as a video series or a show or podcast as a show. And I know you, you do it and you've been doing podcasts for a long time. Um, lately, you've changed a little bit of your strategy. Yeah. How, how did you come about creating podcasts? First of all, why? And also I see that you're changing the strategy from maybe telling stories behind mm. the metrics, you know, ground up last year, was all about, you know, the story behind the metrics. So now maybe uh, focusing more on a show that's all about metrics. So tell us how yeah. you came about making those decisions. People sometimes get lost in those ideas, like you said, and then they don't execute, Yeah, which is when you learn so right. much to actually get better. Yeah. So do you want to share your, your side of the story on that? Sure, yeah. Um, how I got started. I mean, really, uh, podcasting had a, had a big impact on my life in, uh, in a lot of ways because I would um, reach out to people to learn from. I would reach out to Andy Crestadina. Shout out to him, one of the earliest people that I was reaching out to in 2013, 2014, just to learn from and have calls with him and Anne Hanley and people like that. And then one day I was like, I should just record these. Like, if I'm getting value from this, like other people would probably love to hear what Anne thinks mm -hmm. about you know, I can't even remember, right? Uh, X, Y, Z. And so that's how my very, very first podcast started way back and which led to my first job in, in software, which was at Litmus. And, um, and I started, you know, I was doing those career spanning interviews, you know, 45 minute interviews about their, how they got promoted and how they started and how they got to where they are. And I just kept doing that. <laughs> and like, I kept doing it. My personal podcast, when I got to Databox, I started ground up and I was doing it there and we had a lot of good episodes, but then it, like eventually I kind of got tired of it, but also I was like, you know, I, I want to create something that's better aligned with something that would, there'd be like a clear, you know, uh, you know, a linear 
path to, all right, this podcast would be great if we embedded it in this blog post. And it like, it, it would just make logical sense that we could connect our podcast, sort of like how like anybody who's a Marvel universe fan, all their movies connect to each other. Mm -hmm. And now their TV shows connect with each other. And like our podcast didn't really connect with the content because we we're doing career spanning interviews, but our content was very specific on making data more accessible and improving performance within your company and improving your reporting practices. So I wanted to make that shift from the career spanning interview to I want to do go the complete opposite route. No more 45 minute episode. Now we're gonna do 15 minutes and it's gonna be like, Gabe, what's one metric that you've improved at your company over the last six months that's had the most meaningful impact? And I'm gonna ask you three questions. How did you identify that area that it was an opportunity? What did you actually do to improve it? And what were the results and how did you measure it? And so real quick hits, actionable, the podcast can kind of be like a swipe file over time where people can pick a metric and learn. The other reason I wanted to make the shift was, I feel like when you do the other thing, when you do the career spanning 45 minute discussion, you, the, the well runs dry pretty quick. Once you run through all those, uh, the people that have been on all the other podcasts and the, all the founders we all know and all the VPs and the CMOs, and it, all, it doesn't give other people the opportunity to come on podcasts. Mm -hmm. So I feel like making this shift shifted the, the focus from the person. So instead of Brian Halligan's on the podcast, which, hey, awesome. We'd love that Brian yeah. Halligan on the podcast. Like instead of the focus is Brian Halligan, the focus is now trial conversions. Mm -hmm. And we just so happen to have somebody on the podcast who is an expert at this, doing that work, has their sleeves rolled up, and they're going to tell you how to, how to improve it. So you might not listen to the episode because you know who the person is, but you'll listen to the episode because you want to do that thing or you want to figure out how to improve uh, trial conversions. You want to figure out how to reduce churn rate or increase organic sessions or something. So it shifts like that, that it kind of democratizes guests too. Like I can have anybody on. Yep. It doesn't have to be just the huge big names that we're all, we're all kind of chasing. So those two things were kind of the reason, one, to better align it with the brand and we can connect it to all of our other content very easily, be really helpful to our customers. And two, we can shift the focus and have anybody on. And you know, not just, not just the A-listers that everybody's used to. Yeah, I love that, changing that from bringing specific guests to making it more about the metrics and the numbers and, and, and something that you can use in a lot of places. I was going to ask you, you know, how do you measure success or how do you understand the impact of a video series or a podcast uh, on your business? Sometimes I think we've had this conversation mm -hmm. already on, on sometimes it's all visits, leads and customers, but sometimes it's more of a branding conversation and brand affinity conversation. I see that the change that you're doing might take you to a place where you could actually associate the use of these podcast, you know, files or the podcast content into your content, how it's actually affecting sales. Is that, is that another reason why you were uh, do, doing this shift? Maybe not, maybe not sales specifically, but I think we all get mixed up with trying to constantly track outcomes from what we're doing. And I think in this case, you know, the output of being able to embed podcasts in a lot of our content mm -hmm. and embed it in help docs, give it to the support team when they're talking to people that are looking to reduce their cost per click from their Facebook ads. And we have a guest that talked about doing just that. So I think 
the ability to be able to embed it and connect it to all of our content, you know, help docs, top of funnel stuff, middle of funnel stuff. I think that in itself is a big result. It's not a numerical one and saying, yeah, you generated X amount, but just the impact that it can have across the funnel um, is, is a big, is a big play. And a big reason why we're doing it is to have that alignment across all of our content, across different properties. Uh, the support team can use it. It'll, it'll be good for SEO and blog posts, help docs, all kinds of stuff. So I think that in itself is like the result for us is, that's awesome. is that, yeah, it's might be a little bit harder to track sales and things like that. Not necessarily what we're trying to do. Um, more so just having it be a resource across all of our content properties. Of course, of course. You mentioned lately, uh, I saw, I think it was a tweet um, where you said, the sound from your video is not your podcast. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, the transcript from your podcast is yeah. not a blog. Expand a little bit more on that. I love that, by the way. Yeah, this is another one of those shortcuts that uh, content marketers take or businesses take in general, which is like, Everybody likes to talk about, oh, content repurposing. Um, I like to use a musician's term here, transpose. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, if you're playing a song in the, you know, in, in the key of G and you want to go up to A, you can still use those same chord progressions. You can still use the same, you know, riff, just you transpose it up to A. And so I think of content the same way. You can transpose a podcast into a blog post rather than repurpose. I, I think... What a lot of brands do is, yeah, they'll, they'll take the transcript from the podcast and there's the blog post, or they'll take the, the video and turn that into a podcast. And, um, and they don't think about the way that people consume the content across those mediums. And so instead of doing the transcript, you know, what are people looking for when they read a transcript? They want to scan and look for the, the highlights, mm -hmm. the, the takeaways. Give so, them that, right? Right. So how do you have a writer on your team? Hire a freelancer, have them listen to the podcast, which is what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. We have a freelancer. She listens to the podcast. She pulls out the, you know, we put together a framework that she can follow because every episode is, is repeatable and she follows the same framework for every episode. And she, you know, she writes out the takeaways. The, the transcript is unnecessary. Yep. Like people want those key takeaways. So we put it in a way that's more digestible. They don't have to read through 45 minutes of transcribed audio mm -hmm. that they're reading a 800 word blog post with headers and bolded, you know, we're bolding the things that are most important. And so we pull all those things out. We pull out the most important quotes. And so that's, and then we embed obviously the, the podcast player in the blog post in case they want to listen to the whole thing. But like that is an example of taking a piece of content, transposing it to another medium in a way that's natural and organic. Um, and the same thing for audio and video, there's certain guideposts in video. If somebody's watching this right now in video that they're not going to see if they're listening to the podcast, like yeah. it could be graphics you have on the screen. It could be my facial expression or my animations. There's certain cues that are going to be missing. And if you just wholesale, take the audio, rip it out of the video and make it a podcast, your, your audience is losing those things and you're not even thinking about them. Yep. So really it was just about. Again, maybe creating some awareness in a snarky way, which I like to do, uh, around shortcuts that I see a lot of marketers taking and, and how they're doing themselves and their audience a disservice by doing that. And, and sometimes it's not even hard to do these things. I, I agree with you. Um, and we've, we've 
done that in the past. We've tried it, right? Like we've tried, we've tried a lot of things with video and podcasts and blogs and trying to reuse content. And yes, you can create teasers with smaller videos and you can chop up the, the sound so it's better and it, it actually makes sense. Sometimes it's as simple as adding an intro to the podcast video yeah. uh, audio file that explains the points, what you're going to go through or what this is going to be about. So people know where to go or if they need to jump to a specific minute, like we've seen mm -hmm. that just a simple thing, like an intro for a podcast could make that audio file a ton of times better. And then also for the blog, like you said, we actually tried doing transcripts and then we tried doing blogs from transcripts, which was so much time, right? Trying to convey everything on right. that on that blog. Now it's a lot simpler. We have a very similar process. There's a structure, key takeaways, you know, best quotes, like simple things like that. And then a lot of the greatest hits, yeah. Yeah, people can just you know skim through that and be like, oh, minute. And we actually tell them minute thirty six forty five, like go yeah. there. So then yeah. they can go back to the sound or the video better, and, yeah. Yeah. and they, they can actually engage with the other piece of content. So it's kind of like repurposing, but, but adding value again, without going to the, yeah. uh, just add value. Right. But, uh, but <laughs> you're, giving, you're giving specifics here. <laughs> it, it, sending them to the right places. So that I love that you, yeah. you mentioned that. Do you know of anybody doing, doing it great out there? Like any podcast that you listen to? And we're always trying to make this, again, trying to bring more diversity and inclusion into this yeah. podcast. So anybody that you've seen out there uh, that, you're, that, that you like what they're doing on the video side of things, on the podcast side of things that we should, we should check out? I mean, obviously what the guys at ProfitWell are doing are they're prolific content creators and they yeah. get it. They get the, the, the cross-channel you know, or the cross medium, uh, they, they get it. Um, and they have shows and they have new shows and they have podcast, like they, they just get it. And they know how to format it based on the medium that's in. And, and then they know how to transpose it across mediums. Um, so like they're, you know, one of my content crushes, uh, Wistia, it's almost cheating to say them, but obviously <laughs> they're really good at it. And another company that just gets it and they, and they, and they get how people consume content differently across different mediums. Um, obviously, like, I think you, I think next does it really well. Um, and, and like, even the thing you just said about putting the timestamps in the blog post, we don't do that. So you just gave me an idea of like, Oh, <laughs> we should, we should definitely do that. Um, I feel like you, your agency has always been on the forefront of like um, the audio stuff, the video stuff and you know how to do it well and how to be more thoughtful about it. Thank you. So um, I like some of the, uh, I like some of the, the, the audio that uh, Buffer puts out. And I think they, they've done a good job. They, one of their podcasts is actually not them. It's, um, it's a company, uh, I forget what the company does, but basically they have a, a, they're following a company in the podcast mm -hmm. and that company is the one hosting it, telling their story. And it, like Buffer is not even really on it. They're just, mm -hmm. they just host, they just, you know, host the show on their own platform. That's awesome. Um, and I thought that was really cool. And something that reminded me of like something you'd see on like Discovery, mm -hmm. like um, taking principles they learned from, you know, cable television and putting it into um, B2B podcasting, you know, which is, which is super interesting. So yeah, I think they're doing really interesting stuff. Um, I think anything Jay Akunzo is ever involved with is, is really, really, really oh, thoughtful. Yeah. And um those, I mean, there's, there's certainly a lot more, but those are just some of the ones that, you know, come to the top of my head. And if you read the blog for this video or podcast, whatever you're uh, engaging uh, this on, 
uh, you will have all the links at the bottom of that blog, <laughs> right? That's another thing you can do. Just there add all the there links on the blogs to make yeah, it yeah. to make it easier. Uh, yeah. on, Drive people on, back to the blog. That's it. That's it. That's it. So, hey, John, it's been it's been great. I know you know we could talk about all these things for a long time. First of all, where can listeners find your podcast uh, or your content? Uh, tell us tell us everything about that. Yeah, a few different places. So, I mean, if you want to just go to the Databox blog, it's just databox.com slash blog. Our, our new podcast, or no, it's an old podcast. We just renamed it, but it's uh, it's called Metrics and Chill. And um, that originated from a, when I was re redoing the copy on our product pages. And um, we have a product that sends your dashboards to, to your TV. You can stream it to your television. Mm -hmm. And so I was like writing stuff on the page. And I came up to this point where like, you just, you know, you copy the streaming code from your television into your dashboard, hit stream, and voila, metrics and chill. And it's just like, <laughs> play on Netflix and, and I was like, I have to do something with it's this. It's awesome. Uh, it's super cheeky, but it, you know, it, it works and people, people seem to, to people voted it. online and it won. Yeah. So the, the people spoke yep. and they wanted metrics and chill. So we gave it to them. <laughs> so uh, that's launching actually the first episode is going up tomorrow. Awesome. And Gabe is one of our first guests. I think, I think Gabe, you might be next week or the week after. Thank you. So uh, Metrics and Chill is starting to, to go same feed. If you already subscribe to Ground Up, you'll get the episodes. If not, nice. um, smart. Yeah, maybe Gabe will put that link in there. Yeah. That's a smart thing to do. Don't, yeah, don't start a new podcast. I'm not trying to start from scratch here. Come on. That yeah. is amazing. That is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. again, the tip of the day. If you're going to rebrand your podcast, if you're going to bring new ideas to the podcast, just use the same feed, keep the subscribers and bring them new amazing exactly. content yeah, yeah. they want to, they want to engage with. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. And that's the, and that's the podcast. And uh, yeah, for anybody interested on some good content, that's just a Patreon group I have for now. Uh, the link is, is in my Twitter handle, which is at Benini 84, or it's just patreon.com slash some good content, all one word. So awesome. two different places. And we will include all those links on the video and the blog for you uh, to make it easy for Sweet. everybody. Hey, John, this has been a pleasure as always. Thank you for coming back. Anything else you want to promote or anything else you want to talk about? No, man, just listen to this guy. Listen to Gabe, listen to Nexony. I love these shows. I love what you guys are doing. You're, you're a uh, inspiration to us as we're, you know, we're launching a new video series and getting our podcast back going again. I think you guys do it right. And, uh, and, um, yeah, keep the uh, spill the beans coming too, man. I cannot get <laughs> enough of those. I was so happy to see it back. There's so many things you could do with Zoom Thank and make you. it funny and pl play on the whole Zoom. I love it. So if anybody uh, knows what we're talking about, you have to thank uh, John for actually bringing single-handedly bringing single spill the beans back to uh, to live. Second episode going live next week. So uh, wait because for Gabe, that one. Gabe said, well, you know, I don't know. We're, we're not in the office anymore. And I was like, but look at all the funny things you could do with Zoom and all the Zoom mannerisms. And the, oh, is your audio on? Is it off? Is it, oh, can I share my screen? There's so many funny things you could do with that. And everyone's going to relate to it right now. So And because yeah. we have this video and it's also through Zoom, we can actually include the guest speakers on the a spill the oh, yeah, you did that with Rand. You did that because you can, brilliant. yeah, because you can just put whatever you want into <laughs> silent film. So I forgot, I, I, yeah, I just remember that at the end you had Rand, and then he says, he and then all you guys are like, and it's yeah, <laughs> hilarious, hilarious. 
Well, Thanks again, John, for everything. It's been <laughs> it's been a pleasure once more. You will come back with even more amazing ideas. Good luck with metrics and chill and the and the some good content. Amazing data box. If you don't know what data box is, if you are in HubSpot in the HubSpot world, you have to check out data box. But data box connects with a million other different software and allows you to put all the metrics into amazing dashboards connected to Slack, connected to your email. You can set up goals. We use Databox for all of our customers. So go check it out. Thank you, John, for everything and uh, stay safe, okay? Thanks, Gabe. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for Take having Take it me easy. Out. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of MarTech Masters. Make sure to visit our website at nextinymarketing.com to watch the series or subscribe to our podcast to be the first to check out our newest episodes. If you enjoyed our content, please leave us a review or rate our show on your podcast app.